Hey, welcome everyone back to Bible and Banter. Uh, I'm your co-host, Eric Reynolds, joined with my other co-host, uh, Mike Alex, and we are joined with very special guest, the illustrious, the kind, the truly has a voice and face for radio. Um, that would be Justin J. Nash Nash. What's up, Justin? Not much. I, I'm not sure I have a voice for radio, but I definitely have a face. That's what my mom always told me. So. Uh, well, I think you have a, a wonderful voice for radio. Unfortunately, uh, for you and for our audience, uh, this is a live video. So um, so they have to stare at our ugly mugs uh, for the next uh, however long we're talking. So welcome back to the program. I had forgotten that you had been on before. What did we talk about the last time you were on? Uh, crazy Easter stuff, like bad Easter ideas. Really? You call me like you called me like an hour before the show, and which isn't said, different hey, than today. Well, you gave me a little bit more notice today, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So we talked about bad stuff to do at Easter, stuff you should do at Easter. We should talk about bad things to do for Halloween. Like nothing at all. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, nothing at all would be bad, or wow. nothing at all would be good. Way, way to get all fundy on us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, no. um, yeah, we we have a fall festival. We don't celebrate Halloween. Well, we're having a trunk or treat. Does that make us less Christian than you? Probably not. Just okay. don't celebrate Halloween. Yeah. Okay. We've 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 done for a couple years a trunk or treat. This year it got away from us, and so we're actually doing a little harvest harvest party with yeah. pumpkin carving and decor and uh, fall foods and costumes and such. But okay, yeah. It actually turns out for us to be one of the biggest outreaches we do all year because we'll have like 300 people show up. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. Wow. Man. Um, So we're going to talk about pastoral leadership here in a few minutes. But before we do, uh, Justin, you just want to share what what you've been up to lately? How how are things going uh, for you in the kingdom of ACGC? You know, they're in the uh, in the court of... uh, uh, of, I don't know. I couldn't come up with anything. It's <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think there's maybe a little bit of normalcy uh, starting to return. I'm starting to travel a little bit now. I was in Chicago this past weekend for Prairie State's Triennial. So it was good to been a while since I had been out in the Midwest. And so that was good. I'll be up in New England next week. Uh, doing some church uh, help, some some consulting work. Uh, we're just kind of grinding along as far as the work we're doing here. Uh, the new wit- issue of the witness just came out, which we're going to talk about, I guess, today. And then we're uh, starting to work on Christmas in October, which is a, a challenge again this year because we couldn't travel internationally. So we're going to have to try to figure figure something out for that so that's kind of the next big project we'll be working on but yeah i mean things are just sort of uh, so much of what we do is just regular scheduled stuff and and now that things are opening up travels opening up a little bit that's that's been good to be able to get back out and see people because we haven't been able to do that for so long so now it's been nice to be able to do that that's cool, man. So what about you, Mike? What's what's new with you? Uh, outside of not being invited to a hockey game, which sounds really <laughs> unfortunate. Uh, th- th- you know, um, not too much. The 
on uh, Sunday was my 11th year as senior pastor of Blessed Hope Church. Wow. 11 years. And so the some people in the church, along with being Pastor Appreciation Sunday, I came into the office and saw my church decorated with cards that some of the kids in the children's ministry created, as well as um, a couple gifts, a uh, binder trapper keeper of the office. <laughs> and if you move it, the heads go. That's and cool. a, a notebook. Um, and then, and then also I put the folder in it and this is one of my favorite Michael Scott quotes. Uh, would you rather be feared or loved easy? I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. <laughs> um, that's one of my favorite Michael Scott quotes. Um, and then, and also a, uh, a mug, an office mug, false. Nice. And then it's got Dwight Schrute. And his ID and everything. So that's good. I love it. That's good. But there's something been on my heart also that's concerning me. Uh oh. And I'm hoping maybe you guys, since you're in North Carolina, uh, and that you might be able to bring some explanation to me. Because I, I keep seeing some of my fellow Advent Christian pastors posting about all of these homecomings. And so I've, I, I don't recognize. Like, what is a church homecoming? We don't do them up here, as far as I know. And so I'm wondering, is it, I, I, let me sit, let me put it this way. This is what has me concerned. I asked one of my colleagues down there, not on the show, about these homecomings. I said, hey, I keep seeing things about different AC churches in North Carolina doing homecomings. Does your church do one? If so, what is it? And is it unique to North Carolina Advent Christian churches? And their response was, Mike, I'm afraid this is a secret practice reserved only for <laughs> churches. I'm not at liberty to speak about it. Um, so I'm wondering if you guys could, could, uh, uh, I, I did appreciate that response. That was solid, but I still don't have an answer. Is it unique to North Carolina? Is it like, where did it come from? What is it? First off, can I, before Justin, before Justin gives you an answer um, and gets excommunicated from the South for telling you what the answer is, I want to know, who this person is and how I can be their friend because that answer was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, they have a mole in the comment sections. They have a, re their, their, their representative is in. Oh, our so it must section. be Matt Broadway. <laughs> was it Matt Broadway? It was, Man. it was awesome. Uh, Matt, if you're listening, we need to be friends. Uh, Cause that's hilarious. It, not, it that was, not, was, not that we're not, not that we're not friends, point. not that we're not friendly, but we don't really, I mean, I, we don't really communicate often. So, yeah. but uh, we need two more because that was, that was, that was great. It was solid. Yeah. So now Justin looks r really nervous to say anything. His yeah. face is really red. Um, well, no, I mean, I don't have a snazzy, <laughs> I'm not as smart as Matt or as funny, but, <laughs> um, or, but anyway, uh, so no, I think it's a Southern thing. I don't think it's unique to North Carolina because I know they do them all over the South, but okay. basically it's just a Sunday. Um, most of them, a lot of them work around um, sort of in the fall of the year um, when a lot of churches have historically have held their revival services. That's not always true, but, but generally it's just kind of, it's almost like a heritage day or a history day for the church 
when okay. you re remember the history of the church and a lot of people who used to go there who've maybe moved away or attending other churches or whatever, they will come for sort of a special service where you celebrate the life and the history of the church. And there's normally a meal afterwards. Um, okay. So it's, it's just kind of a special event to celebrate an anniversary of the church. Basically, it's like a birthday on some like a birthday party for the church or something like that. Okay. All right. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. Um, are there long robes and like dark, like, like secret rituals or anything like that? Uh, candles? Um, uh, I mean, we handle chanting. That reminds me of when, when I first got to my church, they started asking me about revivals. And I literally like got a, almost a panic attack because I said, well, well, I don't do snakes and things in big tents and all that. They're like, what are you talking about? So my vision of what a revival was, was like something you would see on an old movie about people like coming in, like cars driving in and there'd be like some preacher preaching fire and brimstone, handling snakes and having miraculous healings. And I was like, yo, I ain't about that life. Uh, thankfully, that's not what they had in mind either. Yeah. So. so Palma, I appreciate her. I know some churches in New England who used to do roll call suppers and and that makes sense because I know of one church here in Maine that I think still does a roll call, uh, which, and I don't know too much about it, but it's interesting because they also, to one of the things to maintain membership in this church, I believe they may have changed the constitution since I heard about this, but is you have in, to, in order to maintain membership, you had to at least donate a dollar or something a year and and try to make it to roll call Sunday. So you could be a member in in any other church, but in order to also maintain a church membership in that church um, and they would have a roll call Sunday. So I, I remember I remember overhearing some actually pastors saying, like, did you go to roll call at such and such a church? <laughs> I'm like, what? Don't you have another church you're serving? <laughs> like. Oh, anyway, so it was very interesting, but I don't, th so I don't think that church in particular, the way they do it is common necessarily, but, uh, this whole idea of coming. Yeah. I didn't say pay. I said, donate. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, so moving on, we, uh, uh, the recent issue of Advent Christian witness came out. Uh, I received it last week. Uh, it was appointment reading for me in the midst of me reading like 15 books last week on the Trinity. And uh, I sat down. It only took about 20 minutes to read the issue, um, which is one of the things I appreciate about the witness. Um, but it allowed me to enjoy a nice sweet cigar as well. And as I'm puffing on that cigar, I came across the first, the initial article written by the editor-in-chief, Justin Nash, which was poignant, which was enlightening, which um, I thought should uh, inspire all of us who receive the witness to heed his wise counsel. But not everybody receives the witness. Therefore, we thought it would be um, pleasing to the Lord to invite Justin onto the podcast to share some of the admonitions and encouragements that he offered in said editorial. Justin, uh, tell us why we suck at raising up pastors. Well, I don't, um, it's not so much, I don't think I diagnosed so much as I just maybe <laughs> offer a way forward. 
Yeah, if you think about it. But obviously, we do have an issue in terms of pastoral leadership in the denomination. And um, COVID has actually increased that because we've had people who have um, pastors who have stepped out of the pastorate permanently. Um, and then a lot of a lot of the guys who who were close to retirement age and maybe we're going to hang on for another two, three years. Uh, COVID has just exhausted them to the point that they they're stepping away early. You know, they're going to go ahead and retire. So we're really going to, to feel it. And obviously we haven't done a superior job of that over the last, I don't know, really 30 years or so, it seems like, or we wouldn't be where we are right now. Um, so, I mean, I just had, um, you know, obviously I think the first thing we always have to do is pray. Um, you know, Jesus says, pray for workers. And I didn't feel like we do that nearly enough. I mean, we give it lip service and we say, yeah, we should do that. But I do wonder how many of our churches, when we get together, that we actually pray for that mm. in the service together corporately or how many conference meetings when conferences get together. Is that something that they pray for as a group and pray for it consistently? So uh, really, I think that's where you have to start and and move from there because it's really the lord that's going to raise up new pastors we don't really want people going to pastoral ministry because it's a good career choice mm-hmm. or they think they'd be good at it or something like that we really want the lord to call people into that um something else that and i hear and i hear this a lot from from folks who are a little bit older who really used to go particularly at camp meetings and they, they said it was really very normal at camp meetings to hear the speakers from the platform challenge people to vocational ministry, whether either as missionaries or pastors, and to, to really just, you know, challenge people with that call. And, and it seems like today that you just don't hear that very much. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're content often, you know, I don't think most parents today um, aspire for their kids to grow up and be pastors. You know, they wanted to do something that, where they're going to make better money and it's going to be a, a better life and, and those sorts of things. And so just our whole ethos about pastoral ministry in our churches seems to be, it doesn't really have a real positive view of, of pastoral ministry ministry in general, maybe even missionary service, like it used to have, where it was just a really, people are often challenged, hey, is God calling you to this? Mm-hmm. And and then it just, I just don't seem to see that as much. And so I think that's something we could probably benefit from if we were a bit more intentional about that. So those, now, those are a couple of things. Now, Justin, can I make it? Uh, well, I'm not going to ask if I can make an observation. I'm just going to make it. Um, most of the friends that I have, their pastors in, say, like the eastern region, and even some down here in the south, um, attended Bix. They attended, uh, for those who don't know, the Berkshire Institute for Christian Studies. So I think of all the friends I have in, in New England, I'm pretty sure all of them have attended Bix and then went into the ministry after going to Bible college and or seminary. Um, and then I know of a couple down here uh, in the South, primarily that are, are around me. So has, has, is the challenge towards pastoral ministry not happening on a grander scale uh, across the denomination? And it's really only happening like in this one silo of, of um, uh, within our circles. 
And then Josh corrects me. Uh, I, he did not go to Bix. Does that mean that I'm not your friend? Josh, I am honored to call you my friend. So I'm sorry for that. I know one. I know of one person. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I think Bix is unique in what it is, number one, because it's that gap year. So it's really, a, I think, and Mike, you went to Bix, right? So you can speak to this, but as I best understand it, it really is a gap year and it's designed to in some ways be a discernment year uh, where you want to go and what you want to do. And because that's not the common experience, I think, for most young people when they graduate high school, because they immediately either go to work or to college or some mm -hmm. sort of education and they don't they don't really have that discernment period. And I think that was. Bix provides that really unique opportunity for something like that. And that's one of the real benefits of it is that it gives you that time where you can be challenged. You can think about what ministry could look like and discern a calling there um, that you wouldn't have if you went straight to university or community college or anything like that. So I think that's the unique aspect of Bix is that it just gives young people that space to breathe a little bit and to think and to be challenged. I'm sure. I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. you know, and Mike can speak to that a lot better than I can, but I'm sure you were challenged to consider ministry. Although, I mean, if you look at the number of people, young people who went through bit have gone through Bix in the past 30 years or whatever. I mean, there a lot of pastors have come out of there, but I would say most of the people who went to Bix are not pastors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I will say this about Bix. I don't necessarily believe that part of Bix's uh, motto philosophy is to raise up leaders. Now, the, now what their program is discipleship. Now, it happens that a lot of times the disciples that come out of there, not always, but many times go into churches and become leaders, whether it's pastors or deacons or elders or or Sunday school teachers or whatever. Uh, but I, I, Bix doesn't necessarily out front say we're a leadership training institute. They're a discipleship institute. But um, I will say, I, I, I remember getting calls to consider ministry when I was at youth camp. I do oh, remember okay. that. But it wasn't until I sat down with Mike Tuttle that he really said, I think you should consider youth ministry or something like that because I see something in you. Um, and so I wouldn't say that that was Bix, but more the Mike Tuttle knowing the students and having a history uh, with me. Um, now, whether or not he was right, I think we're all gonna we're all gonna question um, question that. But this well, is the road Justin I'm did ju on. Justin did say that you are one of the finest pastors in, um, of your age in our denomination. He said he said unicorn. He did. He, <laughs> he did. said unicorn. <laughs> Let, let's get that correct. He said unicorn. But no, I, I would say, you know, the, I will be honest, and, and this doesn't apply to today's leadership of Bix. I will say what I did feel pressure while I was at Bix was to attend Lancaster Bible College. But outside of that pressure, I didn't feel, feel much pressure. But I didn't. I didn't attend uh, Lancaster Bible College because... Um, I'm a heathen, but anyway. Oh yeah, where did you uh, go to school? I forget. You told me before. Nyack College. Oh, is that a real? That, I've never heard of it. It's out right outside of New York. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Just kidding. I'm just trying to pick at you. Uh, so, so that I mean that. So I didn't grow up in youth group culture, right? So like, and I didn't grow up in the church, so I never, 
I don't think I'd ever had anyone or anybody challenge me to say like, Hey, someone in this audience needs to be a pastor or, or you need to consider the pastor or minister or vocational minister. I've never experienced any of that in my whole time um, kind of growing in the Christian faith and being in church prior to entering vocational ministry. Um, so, so I can't say with any kind of certainty whether these kinds of things happen or don't happen. I'm encouraged to hear Meredith's story and then also uh, Mike's story. So, so it has happened previously. Is it happening now? I guess um, I can't think of times that I've challenged people uh, when I've preached um, to, Hey, you should consider pastoral ministry discern, you know, I'll help you discern the call that God might be laying on your heart or drawing you in however you want to phrase it. Um, so I, I I'm going to take that challenge, Justin, in every Sunday now until I die, I'm going to tell people in my church, I know that there's someone in here that the Lord has called. I know well, through the prophet, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> That may be a little overkill, but I think you get the general idea. So yeah. maybe, maybe maybe every Sunday you should uh, just make sure you preach the gospel, and occasionally you can. I have an idea. Yeah. I, I think the executive council should send out another encyclical letter to read from the from the pulpit, uh, calling this out. Oh my goodness. Why did you have to bring up that? That, if that you is. Go start talking about that. I'm going to have to leave. I'm giving you a hard time. I'm just giving you a hard time. Oh my. Uh. <laughs> hey, it was well received from my end. Okay. okay? okay. I, I just wanted to tease you a little bit. We get, I refuse to, to read it. We we read it, we read it, and 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 but I just had to summarize it. I just okay. had to summarize it. That that was the most helpful thing. But I thought it was well articulated. I appreciate it. But get I back. thought it was. Let's I talk. thought it was really sweet. I thought it was a nice. Yeah, I thought it was perfectly fine. I, we'll talk why I didn't read it later. That's not <laughs> um, it's nothing. Per I mean, it was just we don't have. We're not having those. The whole reason is we're not having those problems at our church. So to like so to bring it up in the midst of our congregation would be kind of like uh, admonishing a people that aren't going through this thing. Right. You know, so yeah. I do no, appreciate, I, I appreciate but, but the a lot, of, yeah. a lot of churches, a lot of pastors are struggling right now because there's mm -hmm. some real issues and some real division, yeah. particularly around issues, you know, regarding COVID because mm -hmm. mask or no mask vaccination. No va I mean, it's just, yeah. No. And, and in all honesty, sometimes as pastors, we feel uh, alone. And, you know, even if our leadership is on the same page, you know, it's, it's a very lonely thing. So mm -hmm. I appreciate the attempt and the desire to get out there and voice uh, advocacy uh, for for ministries and churches in the midst of very difficult times. So I I honestly, regardless of whatever Joe Schmo uh, you know, wants to throw at you guys. I do appreciate what you tried to do with that. Absolutely. We just held a papal decree burning party when we received it. So good. I'll, <laughs> tell, I'll, I'll tell Pope Steve about that. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I had it somewhere, but I actually might have thrown it out. So, um, recently by the way like the like yesterday or the day before i was cleaning my office anyway um so back to back to vocational ministry 
Um, this isn't a surprise that we're having. We're kind of, I said this before we came on air, we are not facing a pastoral leadership crisis in the future. We are in the midst of a pastoral leadership crisis right now. And we've been in it for, for a minute. Um, and, and the pandemic is increasing that. Uh, but this was something that was predicted by, uh, the, the great doctor and president of, of Berkshire, um, my mentor, uh, Glenn Rice in his dissertation um, that he did probably, I don't know, 10 years ago or so um, talking about the pastoral leadership crisis we were facing as a denomination. Um, and you wrote about it, I believe in your triennial report, Justin, or at least in somebody's triennial report, they included that we were facing a pastoral leadership crisis. Well, here we are. Um, and we have more churches than we have pastors. We have pastors. I think you said this in your article. Is it 70% of our pastors are at or very, very close to retirement age? 70%. And we don't, you know, this isn't like, uh, like the NHL or, or, or major league baseball where you have guys coming up through the minors um, ready to take, you know, just you're, you're grooming them and helping them mature and prepare them so that when someone moves on or retires, that they can take that spot. Um, the cupboards are bare, so to speak. Is, is that fairly accurate? Yeah. I mean, if you're a church looking for a pastor right now, it's, it's slim pickings for sure. Um, you know, it's really tough on the superintendents because they realize the the issue, but then churches don't really always understand it. And so if they have a pastoral transition, they're like, all right, give us some resumes so we can decide. And they're like, well, we don't have any resumes to give mm-hmm. you. And yeah, there's just not a lot of a lot of candidates out there right now. How different is that, Justin, from say five years ago? Well, I mean, the pastoral pool was obviously larger five years ago because mm-hmm. guys weren't you know people pastors weren't retiring uh as, as often five years ago so a lot of things were just holding pretty stable where you may have actually had uh one or two extra people so because of course what's happening now is when a pastor leaves the church that starts a domino effect Mm-hmm. Because you slide this pastor over here, and then well, suddenly this pastor slides from. So you're just you're moving pieces around, and you're never put putting new people in place. Mm-hmm. And then the churches that are really going to suffer on that are the churches that are on the that are maybe the bivocational situations, and who can't afford to pay, so they're not as attractive to a lot of pastors, and so they may. And, and uh, what we're seeing in those situations, unfortunately, and not every situation, of course, but in, in a significant amount where they'll go eventually get frustrated, get somebody from outside the denomination, and then that person often will lead the church away from the denomination. And mm-hmm. so we wind up losing the whole church. And that that's happened quite a bit. And that's the kind of thing that's beginning to happen more and more as fewer AC pastors are available. Mm-hmm. Mike, you're uh, you're muted, man. Sorry, phone call. Um, uh, Justin, in your in your as you've been seeing kind of this domino effect, or you know, churches, you know, not being not being as like financially attractive uh, to pastors. I mean, that's a real issue. Um, 
and especially as churches decline, they might need to go to, you know, bivocational offerings. What, what have you been seeing? Because that kind of gets back to our question of, you know, people might not see themselves going to full-time right. paid ministry. Um, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's also difficult to see a pastor who has been full-time go to bivocational because what do they do? Not all of us have plumber licenses or electrician or uh, can, you know, swing, you know, measure out boards and build cabinets. Have you been f- seeing uh, any of that? Like what are pastors doing to supplement income? Um if they do have to do that. Have you seen anything well, like that? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend, obviously, if, if you have a skill set, like I know a couple right. of guys that they have skills like they, right. like I know one guy that, I mean, his primary income actually is, as a cabinet maker. He's a custom mm-hmm. cabinet maker. So any puppet, he pastors the church. And, and so you see that, I mean, there are lots of opportunities, I guess, if you're not looking to build a career somewhere, you know, cause like, right now there's like a tremendous shortage of bus drivers, like, which is the kind of thing that actually could work pretty well. Substitute teaching. I mean, so there's a lot of things that you see pastoral with the gig economy. Now you'll see guys even driving Uber Mm. and, and doing things like that because it's just a way of supplementing income. I think the thing that really is the kicker though is health insurance. That's the real kicker. And that's where the real problem comes in and why, a lot of pastors, particularly if they have families or like, you know, I've got to have a full-time gig um, that can pay for insurance. Um, Mm. But we're starting to see, I think, and part of it too is sort of the culture we're in. Like a lot of churches see that as a badge of shame or dishonor to have a bivocational pastor. And I I had a conversation a while back with the church that was, their pastor actually wanted to transition to bivocational and they were like they were not for it at all because they were like, oh this looks terrible for the church because the church is going backwards but it made sense for him to do it financially because of where he was in his his age trying to move forward and get ready for retirement and things like that and um and i think and and again the, the other thing is this was so it was one church i was talking to and they they needed a pastor and so I was saying, okay, is this full-time or part-time? It's one of the first things, you know, and they'll, and they'll, oh, it's full-time. We pay really well. Like, All right. So it's kind of ballparking uh, $27,000 a year. And um, I'm like, well, I mean, I understand you want a full-time pastor, but you need to understand that's not a full-time salary. Mm. Um, and a lot of churches just don't get it. Um, Wait, you're too. telling me you're telling me there was a church that considered themselves to be paying well, and they were paying twenty seven thousand dollars a year. No, and that's not unusual. I mean, a lot of churches think they think they're full time. They would say, "Yeah, we're full time," and they're only paying um, twenty five, thirty thousand dollars a year. Yo, know, there's like, there's nothing that infuriates me more than pastors who who are just trying to seek a paycheck. Right. Like, like that, that takes me off beyond. So if you're a pastor and you're listening to this, or if you're a church, uh, that is, you need to make sure that your pastor is not in it. Like, first off, there's not a lot of money as you can see in, in, in pastoral ministry, but you know, whenever you have, whenever you're doing it simply for the money, then you have a significant problem. You're not called to that, to, to that place or to that job. Um, 
However, you got to provide for yourself and for your family. I don't know anyone who would, I mean, that's less than minimum wage. That is, that is, that is half minimum wage. Right. And in that one situation, I know they didn't have a parsonage either. Now, sometimes your the salary will be lower, but they they will offer parsonage as a part of the package, which is huge. I mean, that can be fifteen thousand dollars a year worth yeah. of, of benefit. And so but this was a situation where that was it. You got that money and it was just they probably just gave a person a ten ninety nine even. And so you're responsible for paying all your taxes and all that stuff out of it. And uh, and that's all they were paying, which, again, if if you're bivocational, then, OK, that's fine. I mean, that's really probably pretty good. You could do pretty well if you had another job. Um, but, yeah, so it, it was part of it, too. And so we we've got to shift the culture a little bit, I think. But I mean, that's all the church could pay. It wasn't like they were being stingy. Yeah, I mean they were they were being generous. I don't well, want to say well, they had a bunch of money. And they weren't brother, there's it. A, there's a difference between paying twenty seven. Well, we're at, say twenty five. There's a difference between paying twenty five and knowing, hey, this is. I mean, this is enough for part time work. I mean, we just you have to you have to be self reflective and say, can I live off twenty five thousand? Can someone in our community live mm-hmm. off twenty five thousand dollars a year if that's the only income coming in? And if the answer is no. Then you then you can't say, hey, we're really generous. Here's twenty five thousand dollars a year. That my my issue is with with thinking you're more generous than you actually are. Um, mm-hmm. That's oof. The, and and the thing is, a lot of pastors, I think, um, would be interested in uh, bivocational work, at least in in the circle circles that I run in or conversations I've had even outside our circle. It's not bivocational ministry or co-vocational ministry isn't a sign of lesser kind of ministry, but a different type of calling. Um, right. I would think that if if it's bivocational only because they can't afford a full-time pastor, then you have to ask, why is it they can't afford a full-time pastor? Has that church had significant strife where they've not been able to grow? That's what makes it, to me at least, a less desirable um, calling than the the finances uh i i know of at least one situation where it's like man I, yeah i'll go from full-time to to part-time and and do bivocational ministry but i need some of that space i need some of this and and the other party's like no no take mm-hmm. it or leave it and and that's just not um that's not that's not going to serve the church well that's not going to serve the pastor and or their family well um anyway wow that's uh let me get off my soapbox. Yeah. Well, a lot of it too is just, again, it's a church culture that's broken. Um, generally, it's not true of every church. And I don't want to, but I think as a general observation, a lot, a lot of churches see the pastor as the guy who does everything. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's responsible for everything. And so there's no, there's no Ephesians four mindset where it's the pastor's role to equip the, the church for the work of ministry. Rather, we pay the pastor to do ministry. And and I, and I think to Meredith and Josh's comments that they just made is that's true because you'll, they will, they will let you do as much as you want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and their expectations will be that you do a lot. And so one of the challenges of pastoral leadership is shifting that kind of ethos to help people understand that, okay, we do ministry together. The pastor is the shepherd. He equips us. Um, Josh, 
yes, Josh. Josh Cheney's uh, Josh Cheney's coming fire. in. He's on, yeah. he's on fire today, man. Um, but maybe we should have Josh on here. That'd be fun. we should. And more, and Josh, more interested than me. Josh, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Josh is or was bivocational because I thought he was a real real estate agent up in he, the county. He, he was. I think he's yes. full-time now, but he yeah. obviously can chime in on that. But I think recently he made that. That must be a hard thing. job, man, trying to sell land in, in the county. Not too many people moving up there. All right, don't be, don't be insulting the county. I'm, I'm not insulting. I mean, I'm sorry. Was that insulting? I thought I was just stating – I, I thought it was just observing. It was more the way you said it. You said <laughs> yeah, it in yeah. disdain. Yeah. I didn't mean it that way. I'm sorry. <laughs> Guys, it has been a long day already, so I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, that's not how I meant it. Uh, so Matt Matt Rice, who I think is in the office right next to me, said, uh, I need to visit the county still. Uh, now I'm afraid because apparently I've insulted them all. So the, Can I be honest? The last time I was in the county, I was probably 11 or 12 years old. I, I guess it's and made I now a live in impact. Maine, and I now live in Maine. It's made such so, a lasting impact. Mm-hmm. You've had a desire to go back, apparently. Yep. Yeah. It's beautiful, but I would not want to be there in the wintertime. That's all. I'll say. <laughs> you know who does though? Josh Cheney, and we thank you, brother. We thank yeah, you. He, yeah, and he. I mean, he loves it. I don't. You know, talking to Josh, I don't think he would uh, want to live anywhere else. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's great. That's what you want. I got. You know, and that's what you're looking for in a pastor so often, and. Um, is a pastor has a heart for the the community and the place where they minister Mm. like that's Mm. super important and uh, so I'm always thankful for people who who are from the community because they obviously have a heart for it and especially if it's somebody who had an opportunity to to go somewhere else and do something else so well that just goes to great discipleship and and folks Mm -hmm. raising up leaders uh, which is the case with Josh and 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 some others as well um so you also mentioned in your article a few other things, uh, Justin, and, you know, we only got about 20, 25 minutes left. So I want to get to those other things. So there was challenging people. There was praying uh, for people. What were the other couple of things that you had? Uh, well, the, the other things be positive about pastoral ministry. Oh, because we've been all positive this time. <laughs> the well, last 20 no, minutes. I mean, I think, I think generally, <laughs> I mean, obviously you've got to be realistic. But so often all you hear is this pastoral ministry is terrible. It's awful. It's stressful. It's you don't make any money. People are demanding. Like that's all you hear about it. And there's a lot of joy in pastoral ministry. Mm -hmm. I I would hope. Mm -hmm. And and, and I would expect that. And so I I just think we, when we communicate about it, uh, we, we are like, even as, as Christians, as evangelical Christians, particularly generally, like, we like a bad news story. Like we like reporting bad news about ourselves. It's the weirdest thing. And, and I think we do pastoral ministry, that vocation, whether it's, it's full-time, part-time, whatever, just serving in that capacity. We do it a real service when we, when we just talk, all we ever talk about is bad news. And again, we don't want to rose colored glasses. We're not Pollyanna about it. But at the same time, we, we want to say, hey, yeah, it's hard, but it's worth it mm-hmm. because there's set, it's incredible joy and it's some really unique joys and then that you don't get in any other job. And so I, I think we would do well to just reflect more intentionally on the good uh, and not obviously, again, we're going to be realistic, but talk about the good as well and maybe talk about the good more. 
That's wise. Yeah, thanks, Justin, because I think I think that's incredibly important because we can speak negatively about the the ministry. I mean, we just did about, you know, the absurdity that or, or the disconnect that some churches might have with what reality looks like or or their own situation. And if you're someone going into that, that can be a very, very big challenge. But there's so much joy in pastoral ministry. I mean, what other like I, I just think of my own life. Um, pastoral ministry has allowed me to grow exponentially in my Christian walk. Um, and, and nothing has driven me closer to the Lord than having to realize that, man, I have to minister to a people who are going through a, a myriad of joys and in areas of despair. And, and they're coming to me and looking to apply the balm of salvation to point them to the hope of Jesus Christ. And you, you can have a real impact there. But on the flip side, mm-hmm. you know, I know of plenty of situations where you share Christ or or you point people in this direction. Hey, this is what the scripture and people will nod. People will say yes. And, and they don't heed that. They don't live. You know, so it can take a long time. Um, and, and of course, I've been only doing this for a few years. Uh, my brother, Mike here, he's been doing it uh, for for ages longer than I have. Uh, largely because he's much older and wiser than I am. So I'm sure he has some sage advice as well. No. <laughs> listen, listen, you're absolutely right. There is so much joy, but I think one of the reasons why the worst person to ask about pastoral ministry are pastors, because we are just, we we're leaders. And so uh, I think what happens is we always see the area we, where we need to grow and they can be so significant in our mind and our heart. And we carry them so deeply that it's really hard to see the positives and so it's oftentimes you need to ask the people that are seeing that pastor's ministry mm-hmm. and ask them what they're seeing um, as well. But absolutely, you're absolutely right. There is that, that we do need to be more, not to give a positive spin, but realize, hey, there is a heavy weight mm-hmm. and a lot of, lot of really gnarly, nasty stuff mm-hmm. you have to do or put up with or do or whatever. But at the end of the day, you have to remember that even in those items, your labor is not in vain as Paul encourages the, the Corinthians. Um, and so there's a, there's an eternal purpose, even in that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in that path, I mean, I was just telling the other day, um, just a, uh, when, when I feel most alive in pastoral ministry is when I sit down with somebody who has a theological, like, you know, they're worried about blaspheming against the Holy spirit. Oh, I, do, I love that. I love teaching Sunday school. I love preaching. I love getting to the spiritual things, you know, uh, you know, uh, dealing with an elderly person who wants to, you know, give up and just waste away in a, in a bed, you know, you know, you might not have the answers you might not have, you know, but, but that is what, that's what, when going to seminary, I was like, that's, that's my jam, you know, but then dealing with people that disagree with leadership decisions or lines you take or dealing with the conflict of, you know, you're, you're not being loving enough. You're not letting people do whatever they want to do. That type of like just the grumbling of the desert is the, is the stuff that tend to outweigh the things that energize you because mm-hmm. those things come much more easily than an actual person there that wants to seek to grow or be comforted with the gospel mm-hmm. and the hope of Jesus. Those are the rich moments. Those are what I like to call the, the moments of the good golf swing. 
that just happens once every few every few times that just oh that's why i'm doing this because look how that made you feel look what that did look at the joy in that and then it keeps you going for the next you know eight you know 15 16 holes mm-hmm. right yeah yeah so i just again just be positive positive yeah. as much yeah. as you can and, and yeah. talk about the good and the, and the blessing of it i yeah. i remember um this is when I first started this job, I have a friend and he was young in the ministry and he had a really kind of a tough death in the church. A child um, died and it was just, uh, I was just saying, man, this has got to be incredibly hard. And, and his response was really, it was really helpful to me because he said, he said, no, he said, you know, it's a privilege to get to be with this family right now. Like, it's just a privilege mm-hmm. to be in this and be a part of it with them. And so I really appreciated that because a lot of things that I was kind of looking at it, man, I wouldn't want to have to be in the middle of that right now. And, and yet he really, he, he got it. And you know, he's a very good pastor. Praise the Lord. Hmm. So uh, the, the next thing, I mean, it's just real basic, but it's just to give. I mean, give financially, um, particularly if you want to have well-trained pastors, it's going to cost money. And so you have to make make a way for that to happen. And and I guess one thing that I, I want to say that I maybe have not said so far is that I do believe that the raising up of pastors is primarily the responsibility of the local church. I don't think that's a, a denominational responsibility. I think mm-hmm. it's the local church that's responsible to raise up leaders. Mm-hmm. And so I think churches have to be willing to say, if you have a young person in the congregation, then be willing to say, okay, we'll back you. Uh, we had the opportunity to do that at our church a number of years ago. Had a young man who came pursuing pastoral ministry, and uh, we we he went to Gordon Conwell, and we were able to help him financially do that, and are proud to have done it. Um, and we, we were able to do it, which was good. And obviously, we didn't pay his whole way or anything, but we supplemented it. And you can do that. And there are churches that have resources. There are individuals in churches that have resources. I have a um, um, uh, a friend who, in his um, undergraduate work. He had two men in the church that basically said, what do you need financially? And they paid for a good part of his undergraduate degree. Praise the Lord. And and so we've got to be willing to do things like that. We've got to be willing to invest in the future, even if they leave. Like we got to be okay to say, hey, I'm going to invest in you. We're going to invest in you because we're investing in the kingdom of God. We'd love you to stay. But if God calls you elsewhere, we're going to be we're going to rejoice in that as well. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be willing to to let them go and not think you own them just because you help them. So, yeah. you know, I I think uh, I I really appreciate you bring that up, Justin. That hey, this isn't we shouldn't be looking to the denomination as the answer to our pastoral leadership crisis. Um, it's the it's the local church that raises up pastors, uh, but there are certain things that you know that, uh, and I know you recognize this that hey, leaders, national leaders can help pool resources. They can help provide strategy. They can help provide apparatuses such as like the MTI program. We have Berkshire, which Mike is on, on the board. He's El Jefe there. He's the chairman of the board, um, which is kind of a big deal. I mean, I'm, I know you got many leather bound books in your library. Um, so 
I'm sorry. I, I just fit that pop culture reference in there and just went way off track. Well, oh, we have we have these other organizations, whether it's the National Leadership or Berkshire, they're providing the apparatuses, but it's the local church that has to call, equip. Um, I think I think of our church. So in our church right now at Hickory Grove, we have five people that are either in seminary or MTI. Um, so we have three seminarians, including our associate pastor and myself. Um, and we have, uh, two folks who are, um, who are in MTI ones in like their second year. I think they might be in their second year and the other one just started, um, in our church, they provide scholarships to, to, uh, our staff members. So I get a scholarship, uh, Matt gets a scholarship. We have an intern that we give him a scholarship to, and then we have uh, the two MTI folks that we pay their way. We we've we said we've said that anybody in our church who wants to go to MTI, we find it so valuable that we will pay for it. And it's it's effective. I mean, it's it's cost effective. It's not an incredibly expensive program. Um, it's fairly in, inexpensive. In fact, I think you guys should charge more. But that's neither here nor there. Um, you guys, the the MTI, the the cooperation between ACGC and BCC in in creating this has made a, an extremely affordable program that's providing Bible college level education um, that can help equip those in our churches. And it's housed in our local churches. I mean, I think that's, that's incredible. Um, but I think what you said earlier, Justin, is really important. We're going to challenge people to take advantage of those uh, things. Hmm. Yeah. 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 And I, and I guess the last thing I mentioned um, is just to serve in the church and everybody ought to be serving. I mean, I think that's, again, that's something we got to do a little bit better at, but I, I think it's going to be incumbent upon the, the pastor and other leaders in the church to help people find their place and help them to serve. And I think a lot of times along the way, you'll find out that, hey, um, maybe I am called, maybe I am gifted in a way that I didn't think about or didn't understand. Maybe because we have a real, we sort of have this, um, a, a certain one certain narrow view of what a leader looks like or what a pastor looks like. And we may find out, hey, I'm actually gifted for, for ministry in, in a way that in, in a different situation would be very good. And so I think just serving in the church following Jesus as closely as you can, growing and maturing in that, that's ultimately the way you discern your calling, I think. And, uh, and, and, but as churches, we've got to, sometimes you have to prod people a little bit and you have to give them some guidance and direction. We can't just let them hang out there on their own sometimes. Hmm. So I just think serve and then leadership of the church has to be willing to, to guide and direct and help along. And then people I think can discover um, God did discern a calling that they wouldn't have seen otherwise if they mm. hadn't served. That's good. Yeah. Mike, you so, got Man, Mike with nothing. You've left I him mean, speechless, Justin. Yeah, well, that's, uh, what is you, um, my perpetual disinterestedness? I think that's what's got my going <laughs> off. That's what it is. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, no, but I mean, obviously I, I just, this is pastoral appreciate pastor appreciation month, of course. And for those who listen, you know, appreciate your pastor. I, I mean, a lot of it, just 
one of the one of the things we've been doing every day on Facebook, if you follow us on Facebook, is we have a different way of sort of blessing your pastor on that day. And so I'd encourage you to take a look at that. We have one for every day of the month and and just uh, as a way of saying, you know, thank you, because it is it is really hard work. I think it's probably really incredibly um, rewarding work in so many ways, very sanctifying work for sure. But uh, sometimes it's easy, particularly like if you really want to make your pastor's day, I think you should call them on Monday morning and say and tell them something that you appreciate about their sermon the day before, because a lot of uh, a good many pastors are working on their resumes on Monday mornings. So because <laughs> you feel like you just you preached your heart out, you prepared like crazy and it just fell flat. And so. Do you Probably know that because off. they send them to you to proofread? What's that? <laughs> Their resumes. No, no, no. It's just, I mean, I think that's it was a, it was a kind of anecdotal. So, so. I, uh, um, anyways, but anyway. Well, I, how just, have you blessed your pastor, man? I mean, you, so you're not pastoring a church. You are the, you, you work at ACGC for those who don't know, which is our denominational office. And you're the head communications guy as well as the church health expert guy. Uh, mm-hmm. And you just graduated last year with your master's degree in church revitalization. Um, mm-hmm. And pretty soon, if people give you some scholarships, maybe you'll start a doctorate of ministry in church revitalization. So you can, uh, you can go to the gofundjustin.com. Uh, so he yeah. can go to Midwestern and, uh, Huh? I might have, have some more brain power and energy before I go down that road. Um, but uh, so, uh, so to answer your question, um, one thing, and, and I try to do this, and this is probably going to sound trite, but I really do try to pray for my pastor and his family every day. Because, uh, again, I think that's something we can do that maybe our pastors don't ever know. And sometimes even ask, hey, how can I pray for you? Uh, how can I pray for your family? Um, you know, and we, we're pretty close with our, our family and uh, our pastor's family. And so we do a lot of things together. And um, so we have them over and you know, we, we hang out a good bit. And um, so and anytime you have an opportunity to be generous, even if it's just lunch or, you know, if you're, or a book like, Occasionally, I'll find a book that I find really helpful and, you know, I'll get another copy and pass that along. And so I think any little thing like that can be. Um, but I think, I, man, I just feel like words of affirmation go so far just to say, hey, we really appreciate what you're doing. And, and to be specific, like this made a difference in my life in this way. I think that's huge. I think that is absolutely huge. Yeah, no, I think... Absolutely, Justin. Specifically, the this is how it was different, rather than just the good mm-hmm. sermon as always, pastor type mm-hmm. of thing. But getting yeah. specific about what, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So again, we pastors are the are the heartbeat of a church in so many ways, and and if you have a good one, you'd be thankful for it. Um, if you, you know, and if you don't have a good one then pray for him and love him and um, and try to help him along as gently as you can and as graciously as you can. Um, I, Justin, I don't know what it is, but uh, 
Josh's today on uh, who are watching the show are just giving us fire, man. I mean, good point after good point. Uh, the uh, so Josh Rice points out that the greatest blessing to your pastor is obeying God's word. I mean, to me as a pastor, uh, like I'm not big on on receiving receiving gifts or may like I don't even like like I try and tell my wife is like so huge on birthdays, like she wants big. Ex- for me, like I'm cool, not even acknowledging my birthday. Like I, I don't like, I don't like that kind of thing. Um, somebody had told me, uh, another pastor had shared with me they were concerned because their church might have like a special evening service where they recognized the pastor, uh, and he was like, ah, I'd rather just have the evening service off. <laughs> like that would be a blessing enough. And I thought like how mortified I would be if the church like tried to have a special service to recognize me. Uh, it would, it would be awful. Um, but I think for me, the way that I, the greatest joy that I have in ministry is when I, when I see someone thoroughly enjoying God, like thoroughly enjoying his word and, and they enjoy being taught his word and they appreciate his word. Um, to me, that's greater than any other gift than that someone could give you. Um, mm-hmm. e- unless they were, you know, memorabilia from the office, that's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike yeah. was not paying attention apparently. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Mike, Mike needs a nap. <laughs> Mike looks disinterested. Yeah, I'll rub rub off on him. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you guys have changed personalities. It's Freaky Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. I'm Swapped sorry. I won't, come back. I won't come back on again. <laughs> I think you should have Josh and Josh on. That would be fun. Yeah, they should. They could do a whole episode by themselves. It could be a takeover show. J squared. Yeah. 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 Well. Um, well, Justin, yeah. I appreciate you coming on. I know Mike doesn't because he's been battling as much as he can not to fall asleep. Um, but that's probably because he was staying up late, polishing up his resume, getting ready to send it to you today. Don't start those types of rumors. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not the truth. Mike has not said, I promise you, Mike has not said anything to me about polishing up a resume. Um, that was simply a joke in keeping with the topic. But um, – Justin, we appreciate you. We appreciate all that you and and your um, co-patriots over at uh, ACGC do in supporting our pastors and our churches. Um, Yeah. So thank you. We should have ACGC Appreciation Month. How about that? Yeah. No, we'll we'll be happy if we people just not throw stuff at us. We'll be pretty happy. Wait, so is it like a so for so for pastors it's Monday. What's the day of the week where all the ACGC staff are conspiring behind Steve's back and considering resigning? Mm, depends on the day, really. It's, oh, okay. it, it varies from week to week. It's not as consistent as Mondays for pastors cuz uh yeah, so it depends on the day when that happens. So Is it like after a big event like triennial or or the AC Leaders Conference? I, you know, it depends on how the event went. I, honestly, if it went well, we're like, we're pretty satisfied. Um, so, but if it didn't go well, maybe we're not as satisfied. But, you know, it's like anything else. It's uh, people are, are quick to point out where you failed and not as quick to point out 
if you do a good job and that's fine and and you get used and that and that's really okay because we're not doing it so people say nice things about us um but it is it is a privilege to serve and we really do we're, we're really trying to serve the local churches as best we can and and where we're failing in that not doing well we're trying to improve and so yeah. that's just really the honest truth so I'll tell you what, at least, uh, you know, I mostly interact with the com- communications department and with uh, Matt Larkin over in the leadership development par- department. But every time I interact with both departments, top notch. And I, and I seriously mean that I'm not just blowing smoke. Like you guys, are, that. you guys are phenomenal, top quality people. Uh, we're, we're fortunate to have you guys. Cause I'm sure you could uh, all the people that I just mentioned p- could probably um, do better for themselves working on, in another, you know, in a secular institution or, um, uh, I just talented folks and quality character folks. So thank you for what you guys do. Um, appreciate the kind words. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just, I'll send you a a bill through Venmo, uh, here in a few minutes. Um, before we get off air, I'd be remiss if I did not give you the opportunity to share a little bit about the upcoming AC leaders conference. So the AC Leaders Conference is February 2nd through the 4th of next year. It is in Dowling Park, Florida. Um, we were a little bit pressed. Um, we're, we're thankful that Dowling Park is in the village down there is willing to, to be so flexible and help us out for a spot. Nice thing about that, I think I looked it up and the average temperature in February is around 70. So for those of you in New England, It'll be nice, nicer than where you are in terms of weather. Um, but we're excited. We we really want it to be an opportunity, especially coming in the last two years, for our pastors to have a time of of rest and renewal, and but but also to to sort of be renewed and recharged for going forward. And our speaker is uh, Dr. Justin A. Irving. He is professor of leadership at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. And we're very, very excited to have him and, and feel like it was a really great, um, great opportunity. And he's just going to come. And, and I think at the, end of the, at the end of the time, as we want people to have been refreshed, but we also want them to be able to leave with a set of tools that they can kind of help keep keep themselves healthier spiritually and emotionally coming out of it. So, I'm looking at uh, I believe I have Irving's book. I lost Eric's attention. He's, no, he's no, just, I'm looking. I think I have Irving's book somewhere on my shelf. I just have – I can't find it. I need mm-hmm. someone to organize my bookshelves. Mm-hmm. Is that something you guys can do at ACGC? Just yeah. We'll send somebody right over. You just wait till we get there. Stay in uh, your oh. office till we get there. Here it is. Boom. Yep. This is uh this is Matt uh Matt Larkin's thesis advisor. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. dissertation. He was advisor. at he was, he was at Bethel University for like twenty years. Mm-hmm. before he's just recently gone to SPTS. So. so I think, you know, we mentioned this when Tom uh, Lavery was on the show a couple of weeks ago as an executive council member, he was sharing a little bit about the upcoming AC leaders conference. 
Again, you can go and uh, check out more, I believe, on your website. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, ACGC.us, yep. yeah. So so I gave I, I gave him a little bit of a hard time, and, and that's because, you know, uh, I don't like Tom. I'm not going to give you a hard time because I like you. But um, honestly, having it at the AC, at the Evan Christian Village, uh, are you guys getting a kickback for all the pastors who are about to retire? They can go, they can see the, their potential home, and they put a deposit, and you guys get a little bit of, you know. It's not necessary. I mean, it's like Mecca. It's like, you know, it's just like that's where Evan Christians go, like when they retire. Evan Christian pastors go to the village when they retire. I mean, some of them go to Vernon Homes. Um, and ACRC, but most of them head south because, again, the winters are better. The weather's mm. Mm. and then they, then they experience the summer, and they're like, "Boy, this one maybe not the best idea." But um, the village really is a special place. If you've never been, it really is a, a just a, a great community. Like it's hard to explain until you just kind of go down there and experience. But it's a great community of people, and um, just just a, a really neat place um, in, in so many ways. Now it is. It's not close to anything if you've never been, but I mean, it's pretty much out in the middle of nowhere, but it is, a, it's, it's, it is really a great community and we're excited to be there. So, Yeah. How long would drive drive? Is it from the airport? Like 15 hours? No, it's an hour and a half, two hours to, from Jacksonville. Or I think Tallahassee is about the same, I think, but most people flying out of Jacksonville. And Are you guys going to be running like 15 passenger vans? Uh, we're planning on having shuttles to the airport. We're trying to work out all those logistics. Man, um, that an hour and a half. Oh, that's rough. I might just drive down. Yeah, well, I would from where you are. I would yeah. drive down because yeah. it would actually be a little bit quicker by the time you'd have to go to an airport and sit and wait and fly and, and all that. So, yeah, I, I would think definitely it's drive. Six or seven hour going. drive. So, that's like, that's like four or five cigars, man. All right. I, I hope you're not. I hope you're riding by yourself, so everybody else doesn't have to smoke his cigars. <laughs> um, hey, I'm looking forward to it. Mike isn't. He are he's refusing to go um, because he doesn't like old people. So um, he doesn't want to be surrounded. It's a, it's a good quality in a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, that's not why Mike's not going, and he still might go. Um, he probably will because I'll guilt him into it. But we'll see if we'll see how much how much peer pressure I can give to him. All right. Yeah. Mike is so disinterested. Like, we we hope we should have registration. We hope to have registration open within the next week or so. Okay. Wonderful. And we're trying to keep we're trying to keep the calls really low. Um. So that's to make it uh, again just more accessible for folks do they have facilities on campus i think that was the question uh that that uh tom didn't have the answer to uh, are there what facilities do you mean, on, what do you mean to, to, what do you mean by to, facilities? to stay to sleep yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you okay. have the village lodge which is like a, a hotel motel kind of situation uh they also have cottages where you could um kind of hard days but they're almost kind of like set up like college dormitories almost they're, they have multiple cottages um and then they also have camp camp swanee which so they have camp uh, you know beds and stuff too 
So, so yeah, there's a lot of places to stay. And then a lot of people will, will know the folks at the village. And so we really anticipate that there would be a lot of folks who would stay with friends and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah. So yeah, yeah, there's definitely facilities. There are plenty of places to stay. Mike's looking to chime in. I was just thinking, Eric, will you, will you be my roommate? Are you going to go? I don't know. I will. I will absolutely. I think. I think uh, Matt, because he's my associate pastor, has first right of refusal. But uh, if we can, I'll sleep more... on a cot if we want a okay, three bucket. Yeah. If we want let's a three it, bucket, man. I'm not afraid of to room with a rice. Yeah, let's do it. In fact, I, I think he he might be one of my favorites. We might end up getting kicked out because we're going to have so much fun. Well, this cottage and dorm comparison is very intriguing to me because uh, the the stuff that could happen is very. I don't know, what, I don't know what that means. Oh, you? Yeah, so, so, oh, you so, never? So, you, did you go to college? I mean, come on. Yeah, but not in. Per I was in the army during my college years, uh, man. Sorry, so, man. So, You're welcome for like, your freedom. They're like big houses. Just to give you the layout, they're like big houses, and they have a common room, and then they'll have bedrooms, and there'll be two two single beds in each bedroom, and then I think there's maybe a bathroom for each two bedrooms or something like that. So that's why I use kind of gotcha. that's the best way to describe it. Sounds kind of like that big, You do that big common room uh, in in the cottages. Um, so they're, they're fine. I mean, they have, all, there's, you know, lots of stuff to do there. They have a nice pickleball court and, um, <laughs> which is, which is, it's pretty cool. It looks like it'd be fun. I've never played, but it does look fun. And, um, you're right on the Swanee river. <laughs> it's, just, it's honestly where you are. Um, golf, golf is close. Sorry, when you lead with pickleball, I just think of like, hey, there's also shuffleboard, and you can get discounted Metamucil. <laughs> All you can – bottomless prune juice. <laughs> man. Oh, uh, man. We, uh, we're going to look back at this 50 years from now, you and Mike, if we live that long and be like, wow, we were real jerks. But uh, – No, I don't have to look back. I know I'm <laughs> I don't have to look back. <laughs> I uh, no, I look forward to it because I've ne I've never been, um, and I unlike Mike, I enjoy old people. Um, so, oh um, so I had so it's just it's kind of uh, it's just it's I find it comical. Me, I don't know, I don't know if it if it's a character defect in me. If so, please point it out, and I will try to repent of it by the Lord's grace. But. I find it at least interesting that uh, here we are, 70% of our pastors are literally about to retire. And we're like, hey, come down to the retirement home for, a, you know, uh, anyway. I don't know why I find that funny. I don't either, but. <laughs> makes sense. It makes, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Justin. For putting thank up with you us. For thank you for having me. Thank you for the invitation. And I'm um, sorry my perpetual disinterestedness <laughs> rubbed off on my. It's contagious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, but, uh, but thanks. And, and, and thanks for the shout out on the witness. Appreciate that. Dude, it's, it's a, it's a, there's been some things in the witness where I go, 
eh, this ain't all that great. Uh, like yeah. Tattoo Tommy's article a few years ago, which is how he got the name Tattoo Tommy, which uh, I have coined him. Um, but uh, there are some really good articles in there now and again. And I thought I thought this uh, – actually, last couple issues I thought were really good. So well, Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate You're it. welcome. No, thank you. All right. Thanks. Someone, Someone called call Luke's agent and begged him to come back. <laughs> Josh well, – Josh, Josh, text me. You have my number. Text me. Uh, Josh has an open invitation to come on the program. So uh, he just hasn't gotten back to me. So boom. Take that, mm -hmm. Rice. Boom. Roasted. You got him. <laughs> so take care, everyone. We will see you next week if we haven't completely turned you off by then. <laughs> God bless. Thanks, guys. See you later. Take care. <laughs>